0: Alright, let's be real. What has been the hardest thing about your pregnancy and postpartum journey? Is it the postpartum painful sex that nobody talks about? What are you supposed to do with that? Is it the fact that you might have torn during delivery and you have no idea how to heal now that you're in postpartum? Welcome to the Onus Podcast, where we bring on mothers, parents, and pregnant postpartum individuals to talk about their journey and their experiences, to give that knowledge back to people that need it. And we are also attached to the theonuscollaborative.com, which is a free online educational directory where we help moms and parents connect to maternity care providers in their local area. We are here to give the power back to you guys so you have a choice in your journey. We'll have space for midwives, doulas, public floor PTs, massage therapist. And as we continue expanding, we hope that we can support you. All right, we hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome back to the Onus Podcast. My name is Erin and I am the host of this podcast but also the founder of the Onus Collaborative. This week we have an exciting podcast. I'm going to first say as I'm feeling pretty, pretty tired at this moment, (laughs) but we're excited. We're having Ellen on. Ellen is from Alabama and we're going to be talking about her experience with postpartum mental health. So she has two daughters and she's going to be talking to us about her experience with postpartum depression, anxiety, and even rage and how she managed to identify those symptoms, what they were like, and how she got support for them. So we're so excited for this episode and we hope you all enjoy.
1: Uh, so my name is Ellen. I am from Alabama. I um, talk about my family and kids life on my Instagram, Ellen Wags. Um, I'm a pharmacist and a photographer and a mom to two girls, not in that order. <laughs> and um yeah, I live in Alabama and I'm excited to be chatting with you today.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited to have you on. And we connected on Instagram because I think I've been following you for a few months now. I just love the photos you put up, especially of your daughters. um, The photography is just absolutely beautiful. And I'm just so glad. Thank you so much. Of course. And I'm glad we get to connect. I didn't realize that you also did photography though, on the side of being a pharmacist. So are you a full-time pharmacist?
1: I am. Yeah. I work 30 hours a week um, for a retail company. And, um, it's, I work long days, so it's kind of a good balance of a full-time job where one of my kids is trying to get into my room. <laughs> I lock them up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I work full-time, um, but it's 30 hours a week. So it's not, I'm not in the office or at work every single day. I usually work three days out of a seven day work week. So
0: that's great. It,
1: um, it makes for an interesting home life balance I feel like I've never really fit into like the working moms group because I don't work Monday through Friday I have to work every other weekend but then I haven't fit into the stay-at-home mom category because I am not stay-at-home
0: and yeah okay so when it comes to fitting into a certain group I can see why that would be complicated because so do you work basically three days a week 10 hours a day yeah,
1: exactly. So um, it's like this week I worked Sunday and then I work um, what is what is today a Thursday and Friday. Um, so yeah.
0: So then the it's other just,
1: it it seems like it's always um, like when one of well this is of course pre COVID but whenever like my, my friends that are stay at home moms wanted to do something or have a play date I was working and then my working mom friends whenever they wanted to do something on the weekend I was working and so it was just. I've always felt kind of like, I don't, it's been hard to find like a place in this like mom category, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it must also be hard. So you work 10 hours a day, three days a week. And then the other days, are you at home with your girls?
1: Yeah. So I'm at home all day and my husband works a regular like Monday through Friday, nine to five job. So, um, you know, I work a 10 hour shift or there are some days that I work a 13 hour shift and then wow. I've got to wake up at 6 a.m. and be mom from 6 a.m. until 5 p.m. when he gets home from work. And um, so, yeah, it's it can be a lot.
0: Yeah, there's no break.
1: <laughs> no, no, that is definitely the case. Um, and I'm thankful that we have a really great childcare provider that our a nanny that's been with us since we were since my oldest was about eight months old. Um, but she just comes on the days that I work. She doesn't come every day of the week. So, um, you know, it's, there's not help when I'm here, yeah. <laughs> even though I sometimes like there to be help when I'm here, that's just not the case for us.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry about that.
1: No, no. I mean, it's fine. That's just, it's
0: reality. just
1: kind of the, the reality of momming and I'm hearing my child screaming because she wants me
0: oh I'm sorry is is today a good day you think is that
1: okay yeah oh yeah today today's a good day she's just she's okay. okay she just knows that I'm in here and so she she wants to be in here because I because she can't so she'll be okay in a minute I think okay
0: Well, today we were going to talk a little bit about your mental health experience. So we had a little bit of a chat on Instagram and email where you've had an experience with some postpartum mental health issues. And you've also wanted to talk about how that played up during your pregnancy experience. So I'd love to hear your story.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, going into having my first kid and knowing that you know, when you're, you go to these prenatal visits, they talk about your postpartum mental health and baby blues and that kind of thing. And so I was vaguely aware that um, there was a potential for some sort of um, mental health issues to be present. I, mental health issues also um, are present in my family. And so it's something that's always been on my radar, but once you actually experience it, it's kind of different than what, it was just different than what I expected. So, so after I had my um, oldest daughter, Abby, I looking back now realized that I was dealing with a lot of postpartum anxiety Um, so much so that I decided not to go back to work um, full-time in the capacity that I'm I'm working now and work part-time from home in the evenings, um, because I was so fearful of something happening to her if I was not present. Um, and a lot, it really took a lot away from, um, I guess my personal life in that year. I, I dealt with the loss of a lot of friends um, I met some really amazing people from the mom groups that I was able to get, a, you know, be a part of because I was at home only working in the evenings, you know, for four hours, a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. but, um, it just really changed my relationships with a lot of people because I essentially isolated myself I, because I was scared that something was going to happen if I wasn't there. And, um, it wasn't necessarily a trust issue. It was just in my head. I constantly would uh, constantly would have, Mm -hmm. um, these situations play out in my head that just, if I was not there to keep something from happening, something terrible was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I never sought treatment. Um, it got better as she got older and that just kind of is what it is. And then, um, when Abby was about 13 months old, I got pregnant with Madeline And she, um, that pregnancy was fine. I didn't have any, um, anxiety issues or any issue, any like concerns while I was pregnant with her. And then I guess maybe like three months after I had her, I, I like vividly remember the day it was just, I started having those thoughts again, but they were so much more intense. The second time around where just, something absolutely awful. I mean, I, like, it makes me uncomfortable to think about those thoughts, but something absolutely awful would happen to her or Abby or my husband, Matt or myself. And I just would be so shaken and my body would literally, literally be, um, in this fight or flight response, um, where I just couldn't function. And I remember that day, the first time that some of those thoughts started going through my head again. It felt like the world was just crashing down on me. Like, Oh my gosh, I, I know that this is not happening again. I thought that it wasn't going to be like this after um, you know, like how it was after Abby's pregnancy. And I remember telling Matt, like, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, I think you're not, I don't think you're okay. And it didn't even occur to me that these worries were not normal worries that these obsessive thoughts that i was struggling with um like scared to drive to work scared to drive to the grocery store scared to walk around the neighborhood because i mean it's just it was just so um debilitating and the sad thing is i was so embarrassed that um this was probably september that I started really struggling. It wasn't until December on my way to a hair appointment that something had, like somebody cut me off or something when I was driving. And I had that fear response, felt like I was having an anxiety attack. And I'm sitting in the car um, waiting for my hair appointment. And I call A primary care doctor that I hadn't seen in like four years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think I need to talk to somebody about postpartum depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And the person that I talked to was incredibly caring. And it was actually after hours. I didn't realize that at the time, but Mm -hmm. she was like, let me just put you on hold for a minute and I'll see what I can do. And um, I ended up seeing her the next or seeing the provider the next week. They made me an appointment that day. And um, yeah. So Do you want me to stop and take a breath
0: for a second? Yeah, of course take a breath. Thank you for sharing that. I wanted to just, yeah, I the postpartum anxiety. This is something I'm constantly hearing more and more about. And I wanted to ask you, I know that you said your um mental health issues run in your family. Did you ever have any type of anxiety or anything before you decided to have Abby?
1: I did. I um, but not anything that was really treated to any significant degree. Um, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was in, um, college and, um, had a couple episodes with anxiety with uh, surrounding like school stuff, like testing, test anxiety. Um, I'm a, I mentioned I'm a pharmacist and I, in pharmacy school there, it can be really stressful. I mean, there was a time where we're having tests every other day and it's, it was just a lot, like a huge information overload. And there's, you know, a lot at stake when you're in grad school and you've, you're trying to, you know, chase your dream of getting your doctorate. And so um, I definitely felt that pressure and had some anxiety issues then, but nothing that led me to be on like a daily maintenance medication or um, seek any kind of therapy at that point. So
0: yeah. Nothing that was this crippling. It sounds No,
1: exactly. Nothing that was this crippling at all.
0: Yeah. And so during pregnancy with Abby, the first time around, you also didn't have any of these symptoms come up. It was just kind of an easy road.
1: No, it was really an easy road. I mean, when I got pregnant with her, um, maybe like two months after Matt and I got married, it was, I didn't even really believe I was pregnant. Cause I really just was like, it was just so easy. I didn't feel sick. I didn't feel really any different. I was tired. Um, I didn't have a lot of worries about what it would be like to be a parent. Um, as far as least like the parenting aspect of it now, I mean, the, I of course had concerns about raising a biracial child in Alabama, but that's a completely separate conversation. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really have any worries or concerns or Anxiety related to pregnancy. I mean, it just all was kind of fine until it wasn't.
0: Which is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wanted to ask you um, you said that it was after Madeline that your husband made a comment saying that all of this wasn't normal, what was going on with you. And I was wondering. When you had the postpartum anxiety with Abby, were you talking openly with him about what was going on in your head or were you pretty much internalizing it?
1: I was internalizing everything. I was so scared to share that with him because the thoughts
0: Mm. in my
1: head, they were not as intense after Abby as they were with Madeline. Um, But the, th- I just, I was like, he's going to think I'm crazy. And, you know, Matt and I have been together get well, not, you know, but Matt and I have been together. Um, I guess at that point for nine years, we dated for six years before we got married. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, we just had been together a long time. We've been through a lot together and I, he's incredibly supportive and I know he would never judge, but at the same time, there's such a stigma surrounding mental health. Yeah. And I just, it, just made me embarrassed to even admit that like maybe some of the things that I'm thinking aren't what I'm supposed to be thinking as a parent you know yeah
0: absolutely I think that one there's already a massive stigma around mental illness but then also there's also this very confusing doesn't make sense stigma that after you have a baby that if you have postpartum depression or anxiety that you almost aren't appreciating what you have and it doesn't yeah. make any sense it's like no mm-hmm. these things happen and you love your baby but unfortunately like you know mental health arises this is a new journey like you've just come into parenthood your hormones are changing and all of that is happening so yeah I'm glad that eventually you were able to speak to him about it. But when you're in that moment of internalizing, that's the hardest part. And it's hard to get out of it to tell yourself that this isn't normal. Cause I am actually, I studied psychology for six years and had PTSD for three years and could not identify it either. I was just like, nope, this is just normal. Like I I can't sleep. I'm like terrified to hang out with my friends. (laughs) This is all normal.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) and as a pharmacist, I feel like I should have known I should have recognized some of these things in myself earlier because, you know, I had taken some psychiatric pharmacy, I can't, that's not the correct word, but I can't, uh, we called it psych, (laughs) psych (laughs) pharmacotherapy. Um, But I had taken courses specifically on psychiatric medications and talking about, um, you know, of course, scratching the surface on these disease states. We're not, we don't diagnose, we treat. Um, And so I felt like I should have realized I should have seen this in myself before I actually realized it. Um, But you know, it's, it's hard. It's when it's happening to you, you don't, you just don't, it's not the same as what you read about in a textbook and um, it, it all felt so real. And so um, I, I don't even know the word. It just felt like that was a part of how life was that, I didn't realize that it was not regular thoughts until I opened that dialogue to Matt and be like, okay, I'm thinking these things, are you having these feelings too? Are these things that you stay up at night worrying about, or is this, is this excessive? And I'm thankful that he was very gentle with me about, you know, this is not, this is not the things that I worry about. These aren't, um, this is a lot more intense than I think most parents worry about but yeah yeah
0: yeah and did you have any close um mom friends or fam- like family members in your family that you were able to talk to as well
1: um mom friends no not for not for a good while until after I had been um treated and I just wasn't at a point where I was comfortable talking about it Mm-hmm. Um, I did share with my own mother what was going on um, and she was really supportive and um, which is really nice. She teaches psychology at the university here and um, she definitely has a background to where, you know, she know, she knows about mental health. And so um, she was really supportive and I felt comfortable opening up to her about not really the details of what's going on, but I'm, that I'm seeking treatment and, you know, if I need help, please be there for me. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that's amazing. I'm really glad that you were able to have your mom by your side as well, to be able to yeah. support you and not judge you in what you were going through. Yeah. And then you got pregnant with Madeline and you said you had no anxiety or anything through that, through that pregnancy.
1: No, it's almost like after maybe around like nine or 10 months, um, the anxiety trickled off after Abby. I wasn't, I went back to work full time. Um, the week I found out with Madeline, the week I found out I was pregnant with Madeline was actually the first week that I started back at work in retail pharmacy full time. Um, so I didn't, after I had Abby, I stayed at home, um, for, I guess, what is that? 10 months, 10 months. Mm -hmm. Um, and not necessarily by like, by choice, but by, by the, my, my inability to step away, if that makes sense. Um, but it just kind of at around that 10 month mark, I feel like the anxiety and this, this fear kind of trickled off Mm -hmm. and then I didn't have any issues when I was pregnant with her. Um, which it's kind of strange to me looking back. I mean, I don't know why it trickled off then and it didn't trickle off after 10 months with Madeline, but that's just kind of how these things are.
0: Yeah. And so that must have also been a relief for it to trickle off while you were pregnant because I can't imagine being pregnant and also having a little one with the same thoughts and anxiety that you were going through. Oh yeah. And when you got pregnant with Madeline, I forgot to ask Did your doctor ever, sorry, let's go back to postpartum with Abby. (laughs) Did your doctor ever ask any questions that would have made you, made them think that it could be postpartum depression? Did that discussion ever come up during your postpartum visits?
1: So yes, it did. But at six weeks, that things weren't really happening for me at six weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, things weren't really out of the ordinary with either girl, either of my children at six weeks. And you know, if there had been like a six and a 12 week checkup, um, that would be a different story. And of course, you know, my doctor gave me a tablet and there were some screening questions. Um, and I answered them you know, the way that I knew to answer them so that I wouldn't rock any boats because I didn't want them to think that something was wrong. Mm. And, um, that's not hurting. That's not benefiting any, or that's not, that's not doing anything except hurting myself, but that's what I did. And that's just, I wasn't ready to admit that there were any issues at that point. And I don't, and I truly at six weeks, I don't think there were any issues. I think the only thing I was struggling with at that point was getting sleep and dealing with having a 24 month old or a 22 month old and a six week old. So
0: yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, that's on to the topic or the conversation of one six week postpartum visit is not adequate
0: no.
1: postnatal maternal care. Um, you know, that's just, it's, it's not, but because I think there's a lot of people that probably were in my position and didn't decide to reach out because, you know, whether, whether it's related to access or, um, you know, like what was things that were holding me back about concerns about being judged and, you know, I, it would be nice if there was like another mandatory visit at 12 weeks.
0: Yeah. I 100% agree with you. And so after you gave birth, you just had the one six week visit and that was it.
1: That was it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's not enough at all. No, no, no. And especially within the first six weeks, I think If I think you're already dealing with so much the first six weeks, the last thing you're truly sitting down and fully thinking about is your mental health. And maybe a lot of people don't even realize it till after the six week mark. I know a lot of my friends and my family members didn't. It wasn't until maybe a year or a year and a half later after they've given birth. And they're like, wow, maybe this is postpartum depression. Um, I never thought to (laughs) to consider that back to the doctor.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: No, that needs to change. And so when you got pregnant with Madeline, were there any type of screening questions then of whether or not that was an issue in the past or did that not really come up either?
1: It didn't come up. I I don't remember there being any screening questions about like, did I have any issues with postpartum anxiety or depression? Um, And if there were, I don't know if at that point in time, I would have even recognized what I was dealing with as postpartum anxiety and depression. Yeah. You know, I think it's made to seem like it's just, it's going to be so obvious what's going on, but you know, it's, it isn't necessarily there. I think a lot of people with anxiety and depression are really good at putting on a a happy face to hide what's really going on, to hide that they're, you know, staying up all night because of irrational worry and, um, that they're really good at hiding in a closet when they're having an anxiety attack and getting pulling themselves together because they have to. Um, So yeah, I don't,
0: yeah, I don't know
1: that I would have recognized that.
0: I I also think when you're in the midst of the anxiety and depression, it's almost as if the, I don't want to say rational, but that's the word I'm going to use. The rational side of your brain kind of shuts off for you to think.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely.
0: It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely terrifying. It's crippling in reality. Cause you're, cause you know, cause they can easily give you a pamphlet with all the symptoms you can say, yep, I will definitely be able to recognize this. But when you're in the midst of it, it's the last thing you're thinking about. You're thinking about you, your baby, your family, and whatever worries that you have.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And so pregnancy with Madeline went great. And then you said three months postpartum, that's when the symptoms kicked in.
1: Yeah, the three months postpartum was when I really started noticing um, a lot of the obsessive and fearful thoughts um, and the sleepless nights, not because my child wasn't sleeping, but because I couldn't stop thinking and playing out scenarios that had happened in the day and what if this had happened or what if that had happened and um, yeah, it, it was about three months after.
0: And if you don't mind me asking, and if you're not comfortable, please just, you don't have to, I wanted to ask if you wouldn't mind sharing what some of those thoughts were like.
1: Um, so a lot of those thoughts centered around some sort of death or injury to me or my child um, related to like some sort of freak accident. It was always like a car accident or we were playing outside and Abby would run in the road and a car would hit her. I would accidentally drop Madeline, and it would be like just like this gory scene of you know I've dropped and killed my child, Um, and it would be like because I'd like step on like a child's toy, and this scenario would play in my head because I'm holding my child, and that's not a rational thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes things are as simple as I step on a toy and I need to kick it out of the way, Mm -hmm. but my head would go to this really scary dark place of. You just stepped on that and you're going to drop and kill your child. Um, And I never had thoughts of me wanting any kind of intentional harm to myself or my family, Mm -hmm. but it was a lot of thoughts of something is going to happen to us. And it's going to take away these, this lifeblood, this thing that is so precious to me. Um, And I'm getting a little emotional because I really, it's just really scary to think about those thoughts and how my brain was tricking me into thinking that these are things that are going to happen. And these are, these are things that I had to worry about.
0: I'm sorry. Thank you for sharing that. And if you don't have to share anymore, um, if it's making you emotional, I'm really, really sorry.
1: Um, yeah, so it was, um, I would drive at the point at that time I had a hour long commute to the pharmacy I was working at. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that commute was on the interstate and people in Alabama do not know how to drive. And so mm-hmm. it was a lot of um, like people, you know, changing lanes and a lot of quick braking. And I would have a lot of um, anxiety around me being in some sort of terrible car accident. And what would I, you know, I, I was breastfeeding. It's like, what would I, do? what, what would happen to my baby if I could not breastfeed her? I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, you know it's like there's no reason you know if something happened to me we would she would be taken care of but it was just always this cascade of um some sort of simple event occurring and then my mind tumbling down into a hole of of all these irrational situations so And did you it find, was just hard
0: yeah did you find that these thoughts were quite constant like um you never really got a break from them
1: Yes. It, it was all the time. It was, I mean, I wasn't sleeping. I lost a lot of weight. I was, it was just, it was affecting every, um, like every waking hour. It really was. And those couple of months where I wasn't treated, um, where things had gotten bad from that three month period to from that September to December where I wasn't treated, but I, but I was having all of these thoughts. It was, um, it's like a blur. It, it Mm. just was all the time that I just felt overwhelmed and underwater.
0: Yeah. And so then you said that you were, I believe you were driving to a hair appointment and that was kind of your final straw for you.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it just, for some reason, when I got cut off that day on the way to the hair salon, I was like, I can't, let myself be debilitated like this. This isn't okay. I'm, I'm like making going to make, continue to make myself sick over, over this. And I, I called a doctor's office and asked to make an appointment. And that was really one of the hardest, most challenging phone calls that I've had to make. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe that says something about how my life has been thus far, but it was, it was really hard to push send on that call and say, I think I'm not okay. Mm. Um, but also once I made that appointment, it felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Like I don't have to keep this secret anymore and maybe it, maybe it'll get better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so when you went into that doctor's appointment, what was that experience?
1: Um, I cried (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Um, The caregiver was somebody that I had seen several, probably like six years prior. He was not somebody that I knew, um, but he thankfully was incredibly caring and um, listened. And I just spilled my heart out and he was there for me, gave me a hug, gave me some Kleenex, told me it's okay to cry. And we talked about, um, I talked about my concerns over starting medication Um, because of the pharmacist, my first thought is I need some medication. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, you know, pointed out that there were therapy options and, um, gave me a list of providers in my area that he recommends to, um, particularly to families and to mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we discussed as healthcare professionals on a healthcare professional level, what medication might be appropriate for me since I was breastfeeding at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we made a follow-up appointment. I went back and saw him in a month and, um, wait, I take that back. Probably not that time. I don't think I did a follow-up appointment. I think maybe we did like a telemed visit or something. Um, but yeah, he, it was, it was a very positive experience and I'm very thankful for that because there's been a lot of, not a lot, but there's an other medical um, experiences where I've gone in and I haven't been believed about my symptoms and I've dealt with a health issue for a long period of time because a provider, you know, essentially refused to acknowledge the symptoms that I was was telling them or to take them seriously. So it was, it was a, a good experience and I'm thankful for that.
0: Yeah. And we could spend a whole conversation talking about black medical bias. Oh. Yeah. Yes. With a whole other conversation we can all spend yeah. time on. <laughs> I'll come back for that one. Yeah, I will definitely be spending time on that one eventually. <laughs> um, But I'm so glad that you had such a supportive doctor. That is huge because I think it is. If like if he wasn't able to hold that space for you and give you the different options, I think that probably could have made a big impact as well as of where you went from there.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. So. What did you end up deciding on doing? Did he end up, you know, did you decide on medication that was good for while you're breastfeeding, doing therapy? Yeah.
1: So he said he definitely strongly suggested therapy. And ultimately, I still, even to this day, I mean, it's been two, two and a half years, I guess. Um, I have not gone to therapy. And I know that that's something that I should do just to, um, because it's so helpful for me to talk about things but I have just not made space for that in my life and I need to make it a priority. Um, But it's, it's something that I haven't done yet. I started medication. I started Zoloft um, because it's something that I felt comfortable as a pharmacist being on and as a mom with the research behind it being on. And I noticed an improvement um, within a couple of weeks, which, and it was, it was just a really, refreshing thing to feel like I could breathe to feel like Mm -hmm. I wasn't consumed by these thoughts um so yeah and I I'm still on medication now Mm -hmm. and um I thought that it would be a temporary thing Mm -hmm. um but just because of life circumstances I have stayed on it and I've actually you know added I've had some medication changes since then and, um, you know, it just is what it is. I think this is part of, part of me now. And, um, I definitely think I'm at a point where I would benefit from some therapy just to talk things out just because life is stressful right now, but, um, maybe at some point in 2021, I'll make, I'll make room for that in my schedule. But right now I just have not.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's understandable. And COVID also hasn't made things easy as well. So,
1: right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I'm just so glad that you finally got the chance to find the right medication and that you are feeling better. And it sounds like your anxiety and depression, um, have greatly reduced. Do you still deal with those, Any like little inkling of symptoms at all?
1: Um, maybe a little, maybe a little bit, but not, um, not anywhere to the level that it was before when I was untreated. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a lot, it's just a lot better. Um, something going back, something that was, I guess, uh, another big symptom or red flag that I was dealing with was, was rage. Um, and I don't think I mentioned that because a lot of the vast majority of my thoughts and, and the issues that I was dealing with were these obsessive, um, thoughts and these obsessive worries, but, I also was dealing with a lot of, um, anger and it seemed to be coming from, from nowhere. Um, and that is significantly reduced since I've started medication. And I didn't even really make the connection until I noticed that that was something that was going away as I was on, started taking medication.
0: Um, I, sorry.
1: No, I was going to say, it's just a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. I am very glad that you brought this up because I've been seeing many posts on Instagram from moms talking about the postpartum rage, but I haven't seen many people connecting it with the postpartum depression. And I recently interviewed another mom who said her postpartum rage was the this, this symptom that she never thought was related to postpartum depression until she finally went to therapy.
1: And yeah
0: wow that yeah it got so much better after that and I think it's really really important to break up because I've been seeing that so much more now so it's um when you talk about postpartum rage is it can you explain what that is it yelling or what is that like
1: um yelling like I'm not I'm a very like um I guess I would describe myself as a pretty gentle person. I'm very sensitive and um, kind of like slow to act, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I say rage, like I would be like something, something kind of innocuous would happen. And I would be just so filled with anger that I would just like white knuckle ball up my fists, like, just out of frustration or, and yelling at my child and then immense guilt following that because, you know, your two-year-old doesn't understand why, why you're so frustrated about them throwing a cup. Like, it's just, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, that's not the kind of person that I've ever been. And then looking back and seeing like, oh my gosh, like, why was I like white knuckle fist angry? over something that wasn't that serious. Mm. Um, and it just, it's the depression and anxiety like seeps into every aspect of your life that you, you just don't even realize it. it's, it's crazy. Mm. It's a a monster that I don't like dealing with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I'm glad that you've managed to find a medication. Like even if you've changed it over time, that has worked, has given you part of your life back. Yes. Enjoy that time with your kids and also try to get a break when you can from parenting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I also, one of the last questions I have for you is for, um, other mothers going through similar symptoms that you went through, what would your biggest advice be?
1: Um, to not be ashamed and talk to your partner about what you're feeling. Um, that was really helpful for me keeping a line of communication open with my partner about how, um, how I was feeling once, once I admitted to him these thoughts that I was having and these, these, this all consuming worry that was going on, um, we would have pretty regular check-ins to just talk about how I was doing mm-hmm. and, um, opening that line of of communication so that you're not alone with your thoughts was is really powerful. Um, it kind of grounded me, um, in a way that I imagine therapy probably grounds you and kind of helps you realize what is reality and what isn't reality. Um, and if you're not comfortable talking to your partner, I mean, honestly, there, there are probably like random people on the internet that knew about my issues before (laughs) other people knew about it, because sometimes it's just, it's, therapeutic to talk to somebody that doesn't really know anything about anything else and let them know, like I'm struggling and you're a person that's willing to listen. Um, you know, I've made a couple posts or Instagram stories. It's been a while. Um, but saying like, if you're dealing with mental health issues, if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, I am always willing to talk and I am never going to judge because I've been there and it's been really hard. And I think one of the best things that you can have in that situation is somebody to talk to that you can trust. Um, And I know it's hard to, I mean, it seems crazy to say trust a stranger on the internet, but at the same time um, for me personally, it's a lot easier talking to somebody over the phone than it is, looking somebody face-to-face and kind of admitting the the things that you're thinking. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't need, I feel like that was a very long rambling no, <laughs> of, of what to say to a mother, but.
0: <laughs> I think it's important and it needs to be said. So thank you so much for sharing your experience and being open and just honest about what it truly was like and how you've managed to deal with it. Because I think there are many different avenues that people can go into and oftentimes people don't even realize what they're going through. So I'm hoping that with your experience, other people will be able to identify that and get the support that they need. And so my last question for you is where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? You
1: can find me on Instagram at Ellen underscore Wags. Okay. The end.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's where you can find or you can reach out. And yes, <laughs> and you're more than welcome to talk to people that are, want to talk about this topic. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Ellen. And it was lovely being able to speak with you. And truly, thank you for sharing your experience. I know at times it wasn't the, the easiest thing to talk about, but I do appreciate you taking out the time to do this today.
1: Oh, of course. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm really um, I listened to a couple of your podcast episodes in preparation to this. And I honestly, I'm not a person that listened to podcasts a lot or really ever. Um, and listening to some of your interviews made me be like, man, I really want to like listen to this. Listen, I want to have this going in the background when I am editing photos instead of music, <laughs> because it's it's nice to like learn something um, or just hear about other people's experiences and um, just relate to other people, especially in these COVID times where we're so isolated. It's like, it's almost like I'm interacting with other humans when I'm listening to a podcast.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much we want to thank ellen so much for coming on and sharing her experience with us i think this is huge to talk about especially postpartum anxiety and rage and what that looks like because obviously we talk to our doctors and nurses and friends and they might say oh are you experiencing postpartum depression but it's hard to identify it as you're just now you know taking care of a newborn and going into motherhood or parenthood and being able to identify what those thoughts and behaviors actually look like. So we thank Ellen for coming on. And if you are interested in reaching out to Ellen, you can find her at ellen underscore wags on Instagram. And she is just lovely to talk to. So yeah, we're super excited. And if anyone on here wants to come on the podcast as a parent, feel free to email us at hello at the Onus Collaborative, and we will set up a date. And if you are a provider that wants to come on, feel free to sign up on our directory, and we will get you on here to spread some education. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.